What's going on, JCC fam? Welcome back to another installation of Just Pray It. Has it been good so far? I hope it has been good so far because it's been good to me. God has been speaking to me. I've been learning a lot about prayer and I hope that God has been doing something for you again. So let us backtrack a little bit just to give us context so that we know exactly where we are. We've been talking about prayer in this series and trying to understand exactly what goes into prayer so that we can actually pray prayer that is impactful and that is powerful. And I hope that you can see that there's things that are supposed to go into prayer. And in particular, last week we were saying that uh, we need exposure. We need the Spirit of God to open our minds to understand what God's will is really all about. Because when He is elevating or exposing rather his will to us, then we live a better life and a great life. So I hope that God has been leading you, that God has been giving you life again. And, and today I want to do the same thing and get into this sermon right now so that God can continue to bring us to the level where we need to be. As our text of preaching, allow me to lead us to Matthew chapter number six and we are going to begin reading in verse number one and i'm reading from the english standard version of the bible the esv a beautiful translation this is what it says in verse number one beware of practicing righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them Mm. Beware, beware. No, when I was a kid, we would see these signs uh, and it would say, beware, there are dogs right here. Uh, This passage reminds me of that. Jesus says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. Let me just drop the sermon title right now. Who do you want to see it? Who do you want to see it? Beware of practicing righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your father who is in heaven. Verse 2. Thus when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you. As the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets. That they may be praised by others. Who do you want to see it? Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward, but you, but when you, when you, that's you, when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. The subject is who do you want to see it? Who? Do you want to see it? Let us pray. Father God, thank you for this moment and opportunity to step into your word and ask for your spirit that is mighty and strong to strengthen our ability to comprehend. And Lord, that anything that is bad, you would contend with it and demand us to demolish it. Be with me now. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. The great painter Michelangelo overheard some friends talking over his painting, or not his painting, his his statue that he had sculpted. Michelangelo was a sculptor. And they were talking about the piara. The piara is a great sculpture because it represents Jesus on the knee of his mother after his death on the cross. And these people talking about the piata were like, who actually sculpted the piata? And they gave the credit to someone else. And this really disturbed Michelangelo that that night he went to the piata, and he carved in the piata the name Michael Angelo. In many ways, 
many of us behave like Michelangelo, we want others to see it. We want others to see our good works. We want others to see our charity. We want others to see how kind we are. We want others to see our preaching and our teaching and leading others to the gospel. We want others to see our contributions that we're making to a church, to a conference, to a ministry, to a union. We, we want others to see that we've been helping that poor or needy sister in the church. We, we want others to see it. At one time I was talking to a pastor friend of mine and uh, he asked me a question. He says, Henry, why do you never post anything about your ministry online? Why do you never post anything about what you're doing online? We, we want to see what you're doing in Indonesia. We want to see your preaching. We want to see your videos. We want to see your ministry, bruh. Put it online. And I said to him, look, um, I, I don't post because... Hey, if somebody sees my ministry, they see it. Uh, if they're impacted by my ministry, they're impacted. And he says, that's a great mistake, bro, because when you don't post it, you don't put it online, guess what? Others never see that you're actually working. Now, now check that for a moment. He was letting me know that, look, if you don't post your ministry online, it's an indication that you are not working. And maybe your church members or those whom you serve will have the impression that you're actually not doing anything because you're not putting it online. It's good if you post about it. It's good if you talk about it. It's good if others see it. And I thought about that for a moment. I was uncomfortable about, about that. But then after talking to a few people and, and understanding the culture a little bit, I said, well, maybe I do need others to see it. And I started to post online about my ministry, about my videos, and all these other things, because I want others to see that I'm working. And that's how it is for some of us. We want others to see it. We want others to see our good works. We want others to see our greatness. We want others to see the, the things that we are we are advancing in. We, we want others to see that we have had a birthday. We want others to see that we have traveled to that place. We want others to see that we've been in Bali. We want others to see that we have visited uh, our cemetery. We, we, we have visited our loved ones. We want others to see it because that is ingrained in us somehow. We, we love recognition. We love praise. We love others to uh, condone or to see what we are doing. And Jesus addresses the need to be seen in our text today. The Sadducees and the Pharisees, they, they loved praise from their followers. They loved to make long prayers and to sound the trumpet. They wanted their followers to see, watch this, how holy they were. They let the left arm and the right arm know what they were doing. But this behavior troubled Jesus. This behavior gnawed at Jesus. And so Jesus suggested something radical. And he says in verse 1 of chapter 6, Beware of practicing your righteousness before people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Uh, Jesus warned them and he wanted them to be weary of being seen as righteous in front of people. In this text, Jesus warns them that, look, if you are doing your righteousness to be seen by others, it eliminates you from God's reward list. Mm. If you're doing things, if you're doing righteousness for others to see you that you are righteous, it eliminates you it puts an X on God's reward list for your life. And in this text, Jesus identifies two audiences. There are two audiences. The first one is to be seen by others. And the second one is to be seen by the fathers. Jesus distinguishes an earthly audience from a heavenly audience. Jesus distinguishes from an audience beneath. 
and an audience above. Jesus distinguishes between an audience down here and an audience up there. And he's saying you have to be careful that you are not performing to be seen by an audience right here because it's eliminating you from God's reward list because he is up there. You see, Jesus is trying to help us to see something. A person who desires to be seen before people only gets praise. He says, when people see you that you are righteous, all they're going to do is to say, good job. All they're going to do is to give you a pat on the back. Now, if you want to get another good job, if you want to get another pat on the back, you will need to perform again. You will need to look good again because people or fans do not function by what you have been doing. They function by what you have been doing right now. And that is why it's hard to be a celebrity because a celebrity, you need to always produce the latest hit. You need to produce the latest uh, series. You need to produce the latest great performance on the football field or the basketball court or the tennis court or the swimming pool. Are you following what I'm saying? And this is what I hope somebody can get into their heart. People only praise you <laughs> when you continue to perform. People only praise you when you continue to perform. When you perform poorly, they criticize you. And Jesus is saying, I want to spare you from a performance-based righteousness. <laughs> I want to spare you from a KPI-based righteousness. I want to spare you from a performance that is dependent upon what people think about you, that is dependent on a like from somebody, that is dependent on a comment from somebody. I want to spare you because if you are living by a praise or a performance-based righteousness, you will never be at peace because it's always about what you have done for me lately. And some of us are living for a performance-based righteousness. We want others to see us as holy. We want others to see us as prayerful. We want others to see us as good contributors, uh, good donators. We want others to see us as good preachers, uh, good teachers. And, and so we do good things to be seen by others, unfortunately, that is putting a noose around your neck. Unfortunately, that is putting yourself in a life that is full of stress because when you do not get the praise, you pout. When you do not get the praise, you feel like the world is caving in on you. But now Jesus says something that is beautiful. A person who desires to be seen by God receives a reward. <laughs> a person who desires to be seen by God, who performs for a heavenly audience, gets a reward from God. Watch what Jesus says in verse two to number four. That's when you give to the needy. Sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be seen that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have their reward. Their reward is praise. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be, watch this, in secret. Your father who sees in secret will reward you. You see what Jesus is saying, the person who performs to be seen by God gets a reward which is different from the praise that those who perform to, to who perform in front of people get. Because those who perform in front of people get something that is only fleeting and doesn't last. 
But those who perform to be seen by God, they get a reward suggesting that what they get from God is much, much greater and much, much deeper and something that lasts for a long time. It so happens that in this particular passage, the word reward, it means to get your wages, like get your paycheck. And what Jesus is saying, for a person who gets a reward from God, they're not only going to get a pat on the back, they're not only going to get a good job, they're going to get something tangible like a paycheck at the end of the month. I was talking to a friend of mine and she opened my eyes to something that she does. She told me, hey Henry, when I want to show my team that they have done a good job, I do not only give them a pat on the back, I do not only tell them a good job, I actually not I actually give them a gift or I'll give them a bonus because in Indonesia it's not a good job unless someone gets something tangible. They get a bonus. They get some kind of a gift. So I understand that and therefore I make sure that my good job comes with something tangible that they're going to receive, to touch to hold something that they can enjoy, a gift card, a gift certificate, and make sure that it is tangible. Listen to me carefully. The reward that God gives us is something tangible. I do not know precisely what it is right now. The, the text doesn't make it clear, but I want you to understand that God is going to give you something tangible. It's not just going to be a good job, a pat on the back. It's going to be something that you can feel, something that you can touch, something that will bring value to you because God wants you to understand that he values you that much. God wants you to understand that you are going to get something good at the end of the journey. God understands that the life of faith is difficult. It is challenging. God understands what you've been going through. God knows that you've been suffering through temptation. God knows that you've been keeping yourself pure and secure in his love. God knows that you've been suffering from disease. God knows that ever since you became a Christian, it seems as if your problems have been piling up one after the other. God understands how some people are mistreating you. God understands that you've been persecuted because of your faith. God knows that some of you, just to stay close to Jesus, you have had to make sacrifices. You have had to let people go. You have had to say no to certain things. You have had to live a life that has been sacrificial. God knows that for some of you, you have had to live one area and live in the next so that your faith could be where it is. So God says, my son, my daughter, keep on moving. Keep on being righteous in front of me. Do not do it for others to see it. And when you stay like that, I'm going to reward you. And I want you to understand that you are on God's reward list. Hallelujah, somebody. That God wants to give you something worth it. And if you stick with him, and if you stay with him, you are going to see something wonderful and amazing. God is going to reward you. I wish somebody could say amen for that. God is going to reward you. Uh, now here is something I need to drop for you. You see, you receive a reward when God sees you in secret. You receive a reward from God when he sees you in secret. Look at verse four. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. So here is a change, a different dynamic. Those who want to be seen by people, they're seen by people and they get their reward right then and there. But those who live to be seen by God, they get their reward if God sees them in secret. Another way to put this is, God rewards those who tap into the secret place. You see, tapping in the secret place means doing more in secret than what you do in the open. Making sure that our secret lives are far much better than our open lives. What this means is we will need to pray harder in secret than in the open place. Because it happens that for some of us, when we are called upon to pray in the open place, 
We pray with fervor. We pray with energy. We pray with strength. But when we go in the secret place, when it's just us and our room, when it's just us in our house, we do not pray with the same fervor. We do not pray with the same spirit. In fact, some of us, when we pray in secret, we get tired and we fall asleep. But if somebody says, hey, I would like you to pray for this particular program. I would like you to pray in front of the church. Oh, we get up for that and we do it. No, 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 no. We need to tap into the secret place because God is interested in seeing us in the secret place. When no one is looking, when no one is seeing you, that is when you need to pray hard and pray seriously. You see, some of us, it's not only about our prayers, but some of us have this mentality of looking good in front of others. We will, we will pay the restaurant bill for our friends, but we are not willing to pay the restaurant bill for our own family members. I've, I've had sons tell me, you know what, uh, pastor, my parents are so churchy, but they always complain about me to their friends or they criticize me and they never spend time with me. I've heard pastor's wives tell me, you know that pastor, so holy <laughs> in the church, spending all that time at church, but he doesn't do the same thing at home. You see, the secret place is your family life. You need to demonstrate your righteousness at home. Your secret place is in your marriage, how you treat your wife. Your secret place is in your parenting, how you treat your kids. Your secret place is in you getting in the word and studying the word deeply. Your secret place is, is when no one is looking and when it's just you and your maid. <clears throat> it's just you and your workers. How you talk to them. Unfortunately, some of us, because we are higher than those who work for us, we, we treat them like trash. We don't talk to them rightly. We think, well, they just work for me. I'm the one in charge, so I can do whatever I want. I want you to understand that that is the secret place. Hallelujah, somebody. For some of us, a secret place is our DMs. Yes, our girlfriend may not know what we DM. Our girlfriend may not know what we're scrolling on, but that is the secret place. And we will need to make sure that our secret place is being done well and we are doing our best there before we take our righteousness or our lives out into the open. God wants your Christianity to be authentic when no one is looking because that is where it matters with God. And God is saying, if God, if God is saying, if I can see you in the secret place, do not worry what I'll do for you in the open place. If I can see you in the secret place, know that your reward is secure. I don't know if you've been watching the news, but I've came across a very sad story of Gabby and Brian. Gabby Bettino and Brian Laundry. Uh, this was a beautiful couple. They decided uh, to do van life. They were going to travel from the east to the west coast in the United States. And they were going to do this while living in a van. And they opened a social media account and Gabby and, and, and Brian would post their pictures and everybody who saw them say, wow, this is a happy couple. All their pictures were nice. They were always smiling and hugging each other. But in the secret place of their relationship, they didn't see the sexual abuse. They didn't see the physical abuse. They didn't see the verbal abuse that Brian was unloading on Gabby. And in August 2021, they found the remains of Gabby. And Brian was nowhere to be seen. And recently now, they think that Brian has also died. Here is a couple that looks good in the open place, but in the secret place, they have problems. And I know that some of us, we look good in the open place, but in the secret place, we have problems. We are not who others see us to be.
In the secret place, some of us are struggling. Some of us are struggling in shame. Some of us are struggling in sin. Some of us are mean and hard-hearted. Some of us, we don't pray in the secret place. Who knows when was the last time that we talked to God seriously and openly. But I want us to understand that God wants us to clean up the secret place. Let's be spiritual when no one is looking. Let's be godly when no one can see us. Let us understand that even though when no one is looking, God is there seeing us. And we need to tap into the secret place because when we tap into the secret place, then we can be sure that God is going to owe to reward us openly. You see, I don't want this sermon to be like the leaning tower of Pisa. You know the leaning tower of Pisa, it leans on one side, it's not balanced. I want to give balance to this because it may seem as if, well, we just need to be Christians in the secret place. And as long as I'm Christian at home, as long as I'm Christian in my, in my, in my family life, then, then it's good. It doesn't matter anywhere else. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying to you, it needs to begin in the secret place and then it needs to flow out into the open place. In other words, being seen in secret by God doesn't cancel being seen in public. In other words, we cannot simply say, I'm going to be a secretive Christian. We also need to be an open Christian. Because if it was the case that we just need to be in the secret place, then I shouldn't be preaching to you right now. You shouldn't be tuning into the service right now. But the reality is, it's because I've had a private experience with God, a secret encounter with God, that is why I'm bringing this sermon to you openly. Are you understand what I'm saying? It's because I love God so much, that is why I want to give to the poor my inflow dictates my outflow. I'm giving somebody truth right here. What God is doing in me privately is what motivates me publicly. Are you understand what I'm saying? We, 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 we need, yes, to run away from a desire to be seen by others, but we should not worry if others are seeing us if we have the right motivation. I would like to borrow the words of commentator Albert Barnes, he says it like this. To a person who is disposed to do good from a right motive, it matters little whether it be in public or private. The motive is, is, is the key. If your motive is to bring glory to the Lord, it doesn't matter who sees you in public because after all, you're not after the public came. You're not after publicity. You are after doing good for the glory of God. So it's okay to live in the public eye. Just make sure God gets the publicity. It's okay to give to the poor. Just make sure God gets the publicity. It's okay to contribute in the church. Just make sure God gets the publicity. It's okay for you to be nice to your husband or your wife. <laughs> Just make sure that God gets the publicity. It's okay for you to give your tithe. Just make sure God gets, your publici gets the publicity. It's okay to preach. Just make sure that God <laughs> gets the publicity. It's okay to sing. Just make sure that God gets the publicity. It's okay to write a book. Just make sure that God gets the publicity. It's okay to put your name on that quote. Just make sure that God gets the publicity. Just make sure that God gets the publicity. And when God gets the publicity, guess what? He shares the publicity with you. God naturally makes your name great. Ask Abraham. God naturally makes you a king forever. Ask David. God naturally makes you a prolific author. Ask Paul. God naturally makes you the greatest figure in history. Ask Jesus, <laughs> because when you give God the publicity, he gives it right back to you. He makes your name great. He makes your name awesome. And that's what you and I need to understand that whatever we do, we don't do it for ourselves or for others. We do it for God.
to get the glory, for God to get the publicity. You see, in this passage that I read to you from verse number 2 to verse number 18, uh, Jesus takes the concept of uh, being seen by God and he highlights three important areas. He highlights the areas of charitable deeds or philanthropic work. He highlights the area of prayer and then he highlights the areas of fasting. So it's charitable deeds, prayer and fasting. He's saying in these areas, you need to make sure that you are not doing them to be seen by others. For Judaism, it was important to give to the needy. It was important to pray. It was important to fast. In fact, a Jew, a good Jew prayed and he fasted and give their needs to, uh, he gave good deeds to the poor. In fact, the, the five pillars of Islam uh, focus on these aspects as well, giving to the poor and praying and fasting. And even Christianity is all about prayer and, and giving to the poor and doing good deeds. These things are important. And, and Jesus is saying that in these three important areas, we need to make sure that we do it to be seen by God. And in the context of this sermon, how do we make sure that our prayers are seen by God? How do we make sure that God is the one who is actually looking at us and, and getting all the glory and all the publicity? The first thing we need to do, Pratama, don't be an actor when you pray. In verse 5, Jesus says, and when you pray, you must, not like, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. You see, the word translated hypocrites is, in Greek means to act. It means to take on a role. And Jesus is saying, when you pray, and you want to make sure that God sees you, make sure that you do not take on a role. Do not be like actors in Squid Game. Do not be like those who are playing a game in order to make up their, their bad economics or to cover a debt. Do, do not be like that. Do, do not be like those in the Squid Game who are trying uh, to mastermind the game and, and they're killing people when they do not make it. Don't, don't take on a role. Don't come to God in prayer like somebody else. Come in your own skin. Don't be an actor. Do, do not pretend. Do, do not look like something else. Because God doesn't need actors. God doesn't need you to be more holy than you are. God doesn't need somebody to be a martyr. God doesn't need somebody to be a preacher. God needs somebody to come in their own skin. Because God wants you to come as you. And I want you to notice this. That when we come to God as we are, He is able to interact with us because we are free. But when you come like an actor, you cannot be free because you have a role to play. Unfortunately, some of us, when we come to prayer, we're not free. We, we, we come to God in a specific role. We, 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 we're not able to tell God exactly what's going on because we are playing a role. We, we, we're not able to allow God to experience us fully. Uh, notice what Jesus says. He says, for they love these actors. They love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners so that they may be seen by others. So, so check this. These brothers are praying, but they're acting in prayer to be seen by others. Yes, they're praying holy prayers. Lord, give us food. Lord, give us money. Lord, give my family health. Give my family wealth. They're praying these kind of prayers, but they're praying these prayers to be seen by others. So guess what? They're actually choking the trajectory of their prayer. Their prayer, instead of reaching God, is reaching people. Instead of their prayer going vertical, it is going horizontal. 
And in that sense, their prayers are not actually reaching to God. And that's the problem when you don't come to God like yourself, because you don't allow the prayers to touch God at his level because you are not doing it for God. You're doing it because you want to be seen in a certain way. So God says, okay, I see that, but you're actually not addressing me right now. Are you understand what I'm saying? You see, you don't need to act. You don't need to act. You, you don't need to pretend. You don't need to, to be this other kind of person because God already wants you as you. God wants you as you. So come to him freely. Talk to him about what's going on with you. Tell him straight up. Because after all, God can read your mind. He can understand what's going on with you. So tell him, God, I feel angry today. I feel sad today. I really, really don't want to do this today. Like seriously, I feel like, I feel like telling my, my loved ones off today. I just want to be alone. Instead of saying, oh Lord of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, you know, the Holy One of heaven and Israel. God is like, cut that nonsense. They just go straight to it and talk about it. And, and unfortunately, that some of us, some of us are like that. But you see, I love Jesus because what Jesus is trying to do when he says, do not act in prayer, he's trying to take away the pressure of pretense. He's trying to take away the, the pressure of pretense. He, he, he's saying, look, look at, look at verse number six. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door <clears throat> and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And this is a beautiful thing about prayer, right? Uh, just like when you go to the store and you take a piece of clothing and you want to try it out, what do you do? You go into the fitting room. And when you're in the fitting room, what do you do? You take off your clothes and you put on the, the, the piece of garment that you're trying out. If, it, if there was no fitting room, if there was no secret place, you couldn't be free to unbutton your, your clothes and try it on. Are you understand what I'm saying? But when you decide, I'm going to go into the secret place, what you're doing is you are, uh, you are able to undress your burdens. You are able to undress your challenges and you're able to be free. And some of us need to approach prayer like we approach the fitting room. We need to be able to go to God freely and unload everything and unload all of our burdens and ensure that God gets to hear everything as it is, everything as bad as it is. We need to make sure that God is able to hear that because when God is able to hear that, then he's at a place where he can help us. And unless you can undress yourself, God can not help you and you can't dress for somebody else. It just has to be for you. And so stop acting, go to God in prayer. If you want God to see your prayers, Kedua, for God to see your prayers, don't be a salesman in prayer. Look at verse number six. When you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they'll be heard for their many words. You see, the Gentiles would repeat many, many words. They repeat the same kind of prayer. They repeat the names of their God. Why? Because they were trying to sell God. Mm. They were trying to sell God their issue and their problem. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. Do not do that. Because you do not need to be a salesman in prayer. Because God, God, I'm going to talk about this in a moment. God already know, knows what, what, what you need. Mm -hmm. God already knows what you need. Uh, one time I'm visiting Kuala Lumpur back in 2014, and I go to this Petaling Street. Petaling Street could be something equal to Mangadua. There you find cheap and affordable things. Now, typically what I like to do, what I like to do is I like to take a product, look at it, check it out, feel it, you know, before I make a decision to buy it. What I didn't know is that when you're in Petaling Street, the moment you touch something, a signal to the vendor that you wanted to buy it. And I could see the moment I touched something, one vendor put his arm around my, 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 my shoulder and then he's pulling me into his stall and he's saying, wow, this is good. This is nice. And, and, and something that was 75 ringgit, it went down to 
25 ringgit. He, 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 he started 75, then he went to 65. When he saw that I wasn't budging, he went to 50, he went to 45. Eventually he said, okay, look, I cannot go below 25. I want you to buy this. It was a, a nice vase that you could put flowers in and that kind of thing. So I said, oh, this is nice. And it was affordable. So I wanted to get this thing. And he was trying to sell me this thing to convince me to buy it. Here's the good news. You and I do not need to be a vendor on Petaling Street convincing God, Lord, it's 75. Uh, Lord, I, I can bring it down. We don't need to sell God anything. We don't need to sell God our problems because he knows our problems. Look at verse number eight. For your, for your father knows what you need before you ask. God already knows what you're trying to sell him. God knows the problems that derail your dreams. God knows the problems that damage your marriage. God knows the problems that demote your sense of worth. God knows the problems that demand constant attention. You don't need to tell him about this. You don't need to sell God with these things. He's already bought this because he died on the cross for your sins through Jesus Christ. So you don't need to convince God to give you that promotion. You don't need to give to convince God to give you a higher or better paycheck. You don't need God to give you that peace and prosperity. You don't need to tell God like that. And some people say, well, if God knows everything that I need, then why should I pray? But that's the point. The Bible never says do not pray. The Bible simply says when you do pray, God already knows what you're talking about. So that means then that prayer is not for me to tell God what is going on in my life. That means is that what that means is prayer does something different for me. Prayer allows God to enter my situation. Prayer allows God for him to maneuver in my situation. Prayer allows God permission to do for me what I cannot do for myself. Prayer allows God put, to put me in a situation that is advantageous for me. And that is not disadvantageous for me. Prayer allows God to step in for me and to change my situation. And so when you are praying, allow God to do for you what he knows he can do for you, not in the way in which you expect him to do for you. And you don't need to convince God to help you. He wants to help you. Stop selling God about your situation because he already knows about you. In fact, I believe God is the one selling himself to us. God wants to convince us that he is good. God wants to convince us that he's never going to leave us or forsake us. God wants us to understand that he's going to stand in for us no matter what happens. And some of us need to be convinced of God's love. We are the ones who need to be buying from him. Katiga, for God to see you in your prayers, don't neglect your prayer certificate. Look at Jesus talking about this in verse number 9 to number 13. He talks about the, the Lord's prayer. And I consider that as prayer certificate or a prayer certificate. You see, a certificate is something that you get when you go through training or a course. Now, in Matthew chapter 6, it may not come out so clear, but I want you to show you the cousin of Matthew chapter 6, which is Luke chapter 11. Notice this. Now, when Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John told his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say. Can, can you see the educational language right here? Meaning that prayer is something that can be learned. Prayer is something that can be grasped. Prayer is something that we need to be educated in. It, which means that we cannot just pray anyway. Not all forms of prayer work. Uh, the Bible has an idea for us to be able to pray correctly. And Jesus establishes what I think should be the things we think about when, when we pray. Uh, Jesus says, when he's talking about the, the, the Lord's Prayer, he, he establishes a prayer certificate, what I'm calling the prayer certificate, based upon certain principles. This is what, what he talks about. He, he says, pray for the honor of God and his glory. 
Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Talk, when you pray, make sure that your prayers talk something about God. Something about God's honor, God's glory. Now, some of us, we, we, we pray just about things for us, but make your prayers concerned about God's concerns. Concern yourself with God's concerns. Pray for the kingdom of God. Pray for people to know Jesus in Jakarta. Pray for Jakarta Center Church. Pray for this ministry. Pray for your pastor. Pray for the leaders of the church. Uh, your prayer should have something to do about that. Pray that you can be an instrument for God to be for, for an instrument for God in his kingdom. Pray for your gifts and your talents. Pray, Lord, I want to do something for you this year. Pray like that. That should be a part of your prayer certificate. Train yourself about the things of of God. Pray for the Adventist church. Pray for the world church. Pray for everything that's going on. Pray for Christ. But also, prayer should include your needs, your daily bread. What are your needs? Talk to God about those things. Mm -hmm. Because God is willing to satisfy your needs. He wants to meet your needs. Pray for your needs. You have financial needs, pray about them. You have health needs, pray about them. Spiritual needs, pray about them. That should in, be a part of, of your prayer. And, 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 and here's something. Uh, forgive those who have offended you. Uh, he says, forgive us our debts as we forgive those who have offended us, who have debts. And us. prayer should involve forgiveness. And I know that relationships, partnerships, friendships, mm -hmm, will sometimes become hectic. There'll be friction. We'll hate each other sometimes. We'll be angry at each other sometimes. We'll feel offended sometimes. Jesus is saying, pray about that. Mm. Pray about that. And then at the end, he says, pray also that you do not fall into temptation. Pray, pray that sin doesn't choke you. Pray to be free. So, so, so these are, are, are the things that that, that we need to understand. We need, we need this prayer certificate. We need to learn how to pray. We, we, we really need to understand that so that, our, uh, so that God can be able to see us <laughs> when we are praying. Kempat, for God to see us when we pray, don't be a grudge, a grudge carrier. Don't, don't carry a grudge. You know, one of the words that has been so famous hmm? One of the words that has been so famous because of the pandemic is the word carrier. And you can have symptomatic carriers and asymptomatic carriers. But whether you're symptomatic or asymptomatic, asymptomatic, you're still infectious. And that's why it's important to wash your hands. Mm -hmm. That is why it is important to keep your environment clean because you can still be infectious. You see, holding a grudge is like carrying an infection. It's like carrying an infection and somebody will be infected. Somebody will be hurt. And some of us are carrying the infection of a grudge. And I want you to understand something. Jesus says, forgive one another in the Lord's Prayer. But then after he talks about the Lord's Prayer, in verse number 14 and 15, he doubles down about this. In verse 12, he says, forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. But then in verse 14 and 15, notice what Jesus says. For if you forgive others, their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, their trespasses, neither will I, for, neither will your father forgive you of your trespasses. You see, we, 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 we will need to let go of grudges. We will need to let go of the, the, the spirit of unforgiveness. We'll need to let it go because it will not allow God to see us in prayer. Because God functions by a very simple principle. How can you say you love me and hate the brother that you see? How can you say you love me and not talk to your wife for a week? How can you say you love me and not talk to your brother for two years? How can you say you love me and be, be angry at your co-workers and give them a silent treatment? God is saying, whatever has happened, you got to be willing to forget it and forgive it. Now, now, forgiveness does not mean reconciliation. That's a whole nother story. But you got to be able to let it go. 
And you know how uh, the, the, the experts told us how to clean things up in this COVID pandemic season. They told us to wash our hands, to keep our environments clean. And some of us need to be washed of the, the virus of grudge. The virus of a grudge. Some of us are holding these things. We need to be washed of that. We need to be able to let it go. If we want God to see us in our prayers. So if your prayers are going to be seen, don't be an actor when you pray. Don't be a salesperson when you pray. Don't neglect your prayer certificate. And don't be a grudge carrier. Which one is it for you today? Is it not being an actor? Is it not being a salesperson? Is it getting your prayer certificate? Is it not carrying a grudge? Whichever one it is for you, I want you to pray about this today. I want you to ask God to help you. Perhaps for some of you it is two, perhaps some of you it is three. Whichever one it is, ask God to help you make this principle a part of your life so that God can now start to see your prayers. Because after all, you are not out there to please other people. You are out there to please God. Amen. And it begins when we are able to approach God in the secret place. It begins when we're able to face ourselves for real, for real, and examine ourselves and say, you know what, Lord, here I am. This is who I am. Please clean me up. Make me like Jesus. I want to live my life for his glory and for his honor. We will need to start looking at ourselves like that if our prayers are going to make a difference. Yes, just pray it, but make sure you're praying in a way that God is able to see you. Every head is bowed. Every set of eyes is closed as we pray. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your word. And we ask you to take us to the next level of our faith experience. We humbly pray and we ask all of this in the wonderful and awesome name of Jesus Christ, our King and our Maker. Amen. There's something I love about the Word of God, and that is it always does something in our heart when we listen to it. And I bet that God has spoken to you in some, in some specific fashion or manner. Right now, I want to give an opportunity to respond. The number's on the screen. Reach out to us. We are on YouTube, on Facebook, Instagram, whatever it is. We are right there. You can catch up and connect with us. And we'll be more than glad and happy to help you because we are here to help you uh, so that you can live the life that you need to live. And so do not waste another second to get in touch and to connect. And I believe that God is going to bless you. And once again, I want to implore you, if you want to connect and help this ministry to do what it is doing and to continue reaching other places and reaching other hearts, please donate at the account on the screen. May God bless you, and I'm going to see you very soon. Take care.